you bring a Bible with you this morning? Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. You and I are in for it today. God is going to get us. And when you've been got by God, you've been got. He is going to bless us big today. Matthew chapter 25. And we'll look at verse 14. This is Jesus speaking, and I know you've heard this before. We're going to read this entire parable, then we'll pray and we'll see where the Lord takes us. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord uh, of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. What does Lord say in verse 21? His Lord said to him, well done, good and what? Faithful servant. Say it again. Faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. What did he say? Enter into the joy of your Lord. Wouldn't you love to work for that guy? Wouldn't you? So many people are stuck in jobs working for people. It's just a thankless, no matter what you do, if it's good, if it's great, if it's wonderful, there's never a thank you. But listen to this guy. Listen to this employer. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the, in the little things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. So not only did he thank him, he promoted him right then, right there on the spot. Wouldn't you like to work for that guy? What did he say in verse 22? He also who received two talents came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, the exact same thing. Well done, good and, shout it out loud, faithful servant. You have been, say it again, faithful in a few things and I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Now, wait a second. We've just heard what kind of man this is. Well done. Great job. Way to go. Here's promotion. Here's a raise. Here's an increase. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Something's not stacking up. This guy comes and says, I knew you to be a hard man. He said, uh, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid... 
and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him. Give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're going to get into this. Let's pray and uh, allow the Lord to lead us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning. And we come before your word. And we come boldly into your presence, boldly to the throne of grace, boldly before your open word. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are at work in us today. And in your presence, we are changed in the reflection of your word. When we see Jesus, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And I'm asking you today, Lord... Uh, to grace us, to grant us, and give to us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. We desire eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear His voice and His voice only, and hearts that understand who we are in Him and who He is in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We're going to get back into this, but I, I need to admit something to you right at the beginning today, and this is not something I'm especially proud of. Um, I, I got in a fight this week. And uh, to make things worse, and I'm even less proud of this, it was a fight with a woman. <laughs> and as if that wasn't bad enough, she won. <laughs> now, it wasn't Sarah. Uh, I know you're thinking that. It wasn't Sarah. It was not, although she could take me. But... Uh, <laughs> She does have, however, Sarah does have these workout DVDs. And she bought them several years ago. And there's a lady that does, she's like the hostess of these workout DVDs. You, probably, you may know her name's Jillian. And Sarah bought these a few years ago. And she was doing these workouts a while back. And she's like, these are hard. You got to try these with me. And I'm like, whatever, that's a lady's workout. <laughs> she's like, you just got to do this. You got to see how hard it is. And I did, with her years ago, I did level one of this workout, and that lady kicked my rear. <laughs> now, fast forward to this week, I've, I felt that I needed to start getting active again. And I know you're looking at me thinking, Jeremy, you must work out like every day, all day, all the time. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, it's just the Lord has just, he's just been gracious. No. <laughs> No, seriously though, this, this, these clothes cover a multitude of sins, I can tell you that. <laughs> but you know, we just had a baby seven weeks ago, lives are getting changed all over again, and there's, there's barely time for sleeping, much less getting up and working out. But you know, the, the routine is starting to pick back up, and, and we're getting back into it, and I thought, well, I'm going to go work out. So I pulled out one of those DVDs, and I got in a fight with that woman, <laughs> and it's her and two other ladies. So here I am uh, doing this by myself. Sarah's not even with me now. Now I'm just doing the ladies' workout. <laughs> and she, the whole time, you know what she's saying? Come on, ladies, you can do it. <laughs> and I'm standing there going, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Got in a fight with that woman. And she beat me up. 
Now, what's the problem here? Why is level one, day one of that workout, which is supposed to be, you know, start you off slow, 20 minutes, why is that so difficult for me? I mean, after all, I, I've done that workout before. I've worked out before. Where are my muscles? I've worked out before. Where, where is my stamina? Where is my endurance? Where is my strength? I, I mean, several times in the course of my life, I have picked up weights. Several. <laughs> What's the problem? Why was that so hard? Consistency. Okay. Now pretend you're in church, and what would we call that? Faithfulness. So you're telling me that for there to be a difference, I have to do it more than once and more than once in a while. There's got to be some faithfulness with it. Now admit it, you have heard this parable preached, and you have probably heard that, ex that same example, maybe not just like that, but along those lines of somebody working out. It's only going to do you good if you're consistent. It's only going to do you good if you're faithful. You've read this parable and you find it's only the faithful ones that get reward, right? And that's the truth, man. I mean, God, he expects faithfulness from us. And in return, listen to what he says, well done. I mean, who among us does not want to hear that from the Father, right? Well done. I'm longing to hear it. I believe we've experienced it at times through our lives, but when this thing is all said and done and it's over and we are out of here and I see him face to face and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him, I, I, I'm holding, I want to hear, well done. Anybody else? Anybody else? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in little things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Now we've heard this and we know this. And, and if you're like me, I, I hear this and what comes up on the inside, I got to be more faithful. I, I long to be more faithful. I want faithfulness to be found in me. So why do we still struggle with faithfulness. Why is that such a difficult thing? Why is it we're a part of a generation or we're a part of a culture that is so marked and defined even by its unfaithfulness? Why are there still affairs in the church? In the church. Because I guarantee you that same guy, that same girl, that same couple heard the same parable. Where's the struggle? Well, I think you have to look at the unfaithful servant. And we already kind of picked this out, but he had a wrong idea. He was living under bad information. He was relating to his Lord with the wrong opinion of who his Lord was. And because of that, several things. Do you notice he said this? I was afraid. If you don't know who God is, you'll be afraid of him. If you've let 
tradition, if you've let religion, if you've let uh, the, the predominant cultural opinion of who God is, if you've allowed that to define God for you, then yeah, you'll be afraid, very afraid. But if you find out who he is based on who he said he is, perfect love does what to fear? Drives it out. So you can see this guy's living with bad information. I was afraid. I knew you to be a, other translations say, hard and harsh man. Now if you'll notice this, his Lord in response to this said, you wicked and lazy servant. Why wicked? Wicked because he's living under this wrong assumption and wrong opinion of who God is. And the scripture says, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Who call the bitter things sweet. God's not okay with that. Not when he has made himself so clearly seen and so easily known. He's not okay with you and I saying, I knew you to be a hard and harsh man. And it was out of that bad information, that wrong assumption of who his Lord was, that he made a bad decision. And his Lord called it unfaithful. And he went on to say, take the one that he had, and give it to the one who has ten. And Jesus added this, For to him who has, more will be given in abundance, but to him who doesn't have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. Now that does sound kind of hard. That, does, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound fair. That doesn't sound like God just treating everybody the same. But if you look, Jesus said that same thing in several different places. In the book of Matthew, where we're reading, chapter 13, he said the same thing, talking uh, in there about um, how the, the people that were receiving the parable of the sower, they, they didn't have eyes to see. They didn't have ears to hear. Their hearts were hardened. Then he turned to his disciples and said, Blessed are your eyes, for you see, and your ears, for you hear. He said, men and women of old have longed to see and hear what you see and hear. What's he talking about? Talking about him. Talking about him. He stood out there and preached that day, and most everybody saw a preacher. Precious few saw a savior. Fewer saw master, Lord, son of God, Messiah. Everybody saw him, but only a few saw him. And in the context of that, he said, to, to them who have, more will be given. To them who have what? A revelation of who he really is. Isn't that the problem here? This guy has no revelation of who his Lord is. But Jesus said, with a revelation of who I am, what do you say? I will build my church upon what? Upon what? The rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Raise your hand if you knew that. Okay, he can work with you. He can build on you. Why? Because you know who he is. Because you've got eyes to see who Jesus is. But this guy's living and working and making decisions with bad information. Now turn that around, and if his wrong decision was made because of wrong information, what about the guys who were faithful? 
See, oftentimes we hear this parable and the point that's being made is do something with what God has given you. Right? Haven't we heard that? Faithfulness is just, just do something with what God's given you. He's put something in your hand. Do something with it. But I think if you're going to get even more precise, the point is not really do something with it. It's do what he wants done with it. Right? There's a lot of people doing something with what God gave them. Turn on the radio. Right? Sing a few songs that are popular today. They're doing something with what God gave them. But very few are doing what he wants done with what he gave them. That's faithfulness. It's not just a matter of you doing something. The guy who buried it, he did something. It's just not what his Lord wanted done. In other words, you could say it like this. He wants done what he would have done. Evidently, these two faithful servants knew their Lord well enough, operated with sound, true, and right information about who their Lord was and made decisions and did what he wanted done and did what he would have done. Now, how are you ever going to come to that place with the Father? By knowing him. By knowing who he is. By seeing him for who he said he is. Now, watch this. Here's the key. I, I believe with all my heart to finding faithfulness in you. If you want to find it in you, you got to first find it in him. If their Lord said to them, you've been faithful. If he found faithfulness in them, it has to be because they first found it in him. They knew what he wanted done. They knew what he would have done. And he proved that. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over much. Watch this. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. What's that? That's partnership. I'm promoting you now that I can trust you and I know that you're listening to me and I know that you're learning from me and I know that you would do with what I put in your hand what I would do if it was in mine. So if faithfulness was found in them, it's because they found it in him. Now who in here wants to be found faithful? I do. With all my heart, I do. More today than ever before, I want to be found faithful. I know that it's faithfulness that gets the reward. I know that it's faithfulness that gets results. I know faithfulness, just not quitting. I see that clearer today than ever before. People who are living in abundance, people who are, are experiencing miracles in their life, the miracles are coming. Why? Because they just refuse to quit. And they just kept moving. And if they didn't yet have what they were believing for, they just kept believing. See, we make it so complicated. We ask these questions. I don't have what I'm believing for yet. What do I do? Folks, that's the easiest time of all. You just keep believing. You just keep sticking with it. But if faithfulness is going to be found in us, 
we're going to have to first find it in him. Because if you're not finding it in him first, then you are looking to yourself as your own source for your faithfulness. And you and I don't have it in us. We don't have it in ourselves to be this kind of faithful. Faithfulness does not come naturally to the flesh. Anybody experienced that yet? It doesn't come naturally. But listen to me, when you're in a job or you're in a relationship or you've got a task at hand that does not provide its own incentive, I know you've been there. You're tired of this thing and you, you wish it was different and you want change and you're bored with it. When that, when that relationship or that job or task or whatever it is doesn't provide its own strength to make you faithful, when it's not exciting to you, you can be made faithful with his faithfulness, made strong with his strength. I want you to look at a couple of places with me. Go to the book of Psalm and look in chapter 40. If I were to ask you to fill in this blank, God is blank, what would you say? I heard faithful, which of course is what we're talking about today, but, but love, right? I mean, that's how we define him. God is love. Well, you know, the scripture also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, God is faithful. But that's saying the same thing, isn't it? Can you be can you walk in love and be unfaithful? Let's make it plain. Can a man be unfaithful to his wife and love her? I'm still in love. I still love my wife. No, you don't. You know, a man or a woman, just say it like this, a man does not have an affair because he loves another woman more. He has an affair because he loves himself more. We're having fun, aren't we, man? This is great. I'm excited about this. But God is faithful. And that's the same thing as saying God is love. Psalm chapter 40, I want you to look at verse 10. The psalmist said, Uh, In the New King James, he says, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Are we in a great assembly today? Man, I think you're great. I have declared your faithfulness, he said, and your salvation. Just turn back a page or so to Psalm chapter 37 and look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I want to be found faithful. I know you want to be found faithful. So how are we going to get there? How are we going to get from where we are to where we need to be? Can I tell you how? We today are going to feed on his faithfulness. You need to be a little more excited about it than that. This is what we're going to do for the rest of this time today. I am going to declare to you 
over and over and over, after scripture after scripture after scripture, the faithfulness of God. And you and I are going to pull up to the table and we are going to feed on his faithfulness. We're just going to feed on it. And we're going to eat it, and we're going to eat it, and we're going to eat it. You and I today, you might have to loosen that belt a little bit because we are going to get fat on the faithfulness of God today. Amen? And this is the good kind. This is, you don't have to work out after this kind. We are going to just be enlarged with the faithfulness of God. You know you can feed on his faithfulness. You can feed on it. He said, dwell in the land. Or be where God put you, dwell in that, in that land, stay there, reside permanently there. While you're there, do good and feed on his faithfulness. In other words, it's his faithfulness that's going to keep you fed. Now the King James Version says, verily you shall be fed. Isn't that interesting? You know what the word verily means? It means true. Truth, truly, truthfully, you will be fed. The same word translated truth is translated faithfulness. It's the same word. Truly, you will be fed. It's the faithfulness of God that keeps you and I fed. You know, I think we've kind of looked down on gathering at the table and... and um, you know, some folks will say, well, what's, who's going to say grace? And some people are like, well, we don't, you know, we don't say grace. We, we bless this food, bless God. And I understand what you're saying. But if you had a real revelation of what grace was, you, you wouldn't just say grace at the table. You would shout grace at every time you sat down to eat. Why? Because it's grace that put this food on the table. Well, no, no, I work for that. Well, that's just bad information. Because it's God in you, working in you to both will and do his good pleasure. And if you will sit down at the table with a revelation of who he is, eyes that see him, you'll recognize it was God that gave me that job. It was God that put the strength in me to do it. It was God that kept me there when I wanted to leave. It was God that put money in the, the bank. It was God that made me able to drive to the grocery store. It was God that, that enabled me to buy this food. It was God that put it on the table. Grace over this meal. Being fed with his faithfulness. Being fed with the faithfulness of God. You can feed on his faithfulness. But only there's two ways to look at this. You can look at it like that, like we're presently eating. We're presently being satisfied. And it's not just natural food. It's every need being met. Spirit, soul, and body. Every need meets its end in the faithfulness of God. But it's not just present, man. You can look back. Do you know that? You can look back. Hunger represents need. You know that naturally. If you're hungry, it's because there's some space right here that needs to be filled, right? Hunger represents need. And if you have a present need, you lack something, there's something missing in your life, you know you can look back and feed on the faithfulness of God, 
if you will just begin to rehearse and recite and look back on how good he has been over and over and over and over and every time he brought you through, every time he brought you out, every time he set you up when you fell down and you feed on the faithfulness of God. You can get so full on what he's done, you forget you've even got a need. That's how you feed on the faithfulness of God. That's what we're calling this today, feeding on the faithfulness of God. Now you can take notes if you want to, but you don't, just, just, if, you, if you want to, just put it away. We be a note-taking church, man. Just, just close it up and just saturate in this thing. What are you gonna do with those notes anyway? Oh, I got a closet full of notes. Not doing you any good. If you wanna take some notes, Get the CD. Listen later. But today, let's just saturate. Let's just feed on the faithfulness of God. Amen? Go to a couple of places. Romans chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 11. I asked Sarah on the way in this morning, I said, can I call this message getting fat on faithfulness? And her response was, uh, so... I didn't, decided not to. We'll just call it feeding on the faithfulness of God. Romans chapter 4, you can also find Hebrews chapter 11. You'll remember this about Abraham. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God. What promise? Abraham, you are the father of many nations and you will have a son. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Those two words, so big. Fully persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded. What? That God who had promised was also able. See, most folks are not fully persuaded. They know he's able. But to be fully persuaded is to know that he's not only able, he's willing. And Abraham was fully persuaded. See, a promise reveals God's will. I'm making a promise to you. This is how it's going to be. Why, God? Because this is how I want it to be. And if you will believe me, this is how it will be. And Abraham was fully persuaded. Do you remember when Paul got hauled before King Agrippa? Man, he just, he unloaded on King Agrippa. He gave him the gospel out of both barrels and just let him have it. Just preached and preached and preached the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember what, what the king said? Paul, you almost persuade me. Almost. Most of you know that, that my grandfather, Brother Copeland, has been flying airplanes for 50 years, more, over 50 years now. And they operate an airplane, an aircraft in this ministry. Well, you, you know, other ministers do as well. And Jesse Duplantis, remember, my grandfather tells the story. One time, Jesse Duplantis, who in his ministry, they operate an aircraft as well, but he doesn't fly his. But evidently, his Pilots had allowed him to come to the cockpit and sit there and, you know, look around and just experience the whole thing. And several times, and 
And I guess they allowed him to sit up there even through landing. And he went to my grandfather one time and said, Brother Copeland, guess what? I can almost land my airplane. <laughs> my grandfather looked back at him as only he can and said, Jesse, that's crashing. <laughs> that's wisdom right there, isn't it? How, it, how, how comforted would you be knowing that you got on an airplane with a pilot that can almost land. He's been practicing and he's so close. I can almost land. That doesn't comfort you as a passenger on that airplane. Why? Because almost landing is the exact same thing as crashing. Are you with me? Brother Keith tells this story back when he was teaching uh, Bible school at Ramah. He had, I guess he had an office or something that had a window with a view then out to the parking lot. And he said uh, uh, there was a particular time that a young couple, and they did this for days in a row, they would go out after class out into the parking lot. And he, sta- he said they would stand there at that car just loving on each other. And he just watched this day after day, a very public display of affection, just not ashamed And he finally went out there one day and he said, "Uh, guys, can I ask you a question? They said, yes, Brother Keith. They said, are y'all married? And they said, no, but we're going to get married. And he looked back at them as only he can and said, well, going to get married is the exact same thing as not married. Almost married is the exact same thing as single not married. Right? One more example. How many of you would be just thrilled beyond words if your teenager came in and said, Mom, I almost passed. I almost passed the ninth grade. I was so close. Big hugs. Anybody? Anybody? You'd throw a party that day? Why? Because they almost passed? Why, Why is that not exciting to you? Because almost passing is the exact same thing as failing. Okay, back to Bible. Almost persuaded is the exact same thing as not persuaded. Not to get too serious on us, but how many people are in heaven today that died almost persuaded? But Abraham, Abraham was not almost persuaded, not kind of persuaded, fully persuaded. And what was it he was fully persuaded of? That he who promised was also able. And we give him so much credit for what happened in and through his life, but I want you to look over at Hebrews chapter 11 and look at Sarah, his wife. What does it say about her in verse 11? By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because... Okay, wait. We're about to find out why this happened. This man, this woman, who had no business having babies at their age, we are about to find out how and why it happened how and why it came to pass. She received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful 
who had promised. Why did they receive the promise of God? Because God was just going to do it anyway, and God's just going to do whatever God's going to do. And No. They received it because he was fully persuaded, and she judged him faithful. Unlike this guy with a bad opinion of who God is, she looked at God and her opinion was, you are faithful. She judged him faithful. And what happened? The power of agreement between a believing husband and a believing wife came into agreement on one thing. He is faithful. Is there strife in your home? Not getting along with each other right now? You know what you need? You need to just agree on something. You ever think to yourself, if we could just agree on something, I feel like we'd, we'd be making headway. We'll come into agreement right here on this. He is faithful. He's faithful. Just before Sarah and I got married, we had a friend uh, several years older than us, family man, several kids. He said to us, he said, look, you guys are going to be astounded at the power of agreement between a husband and a wife. And we have been over and over and over. You've heard me tell the story about the, the first flight we were taking in our own ministry three years ago now. And the Lord had dealt with this. Come out of the commercial airline system. Trust me to get you where I tell you to go. And we were taking our first flight. We didn't have an airplane, so we're going to have to spend to use another one. And found out it was going to be thousands of dollars. And that was like most of everything we had at that time. And we're trying to figure out, how do you spend everything you've got on one trip? And she went away to pray about it, and I went away to pray about it. And we came back together, and she said, we're supposed to believe for it. And I said, well, I'm, I've got a number in my heart that we're supposed to believe for. And she said, I've got one too. I said, what's yours? She said, 4,000. I said, that's exactly what I heard. So in our bedroom at our home, we came into agreement. We, we, it wasn't like, let's hold hands and pray. It was, we embraced each other and we called on the faithfulness of God. Lord. You have called us into this. You have assigned us to this. And your word says if we would agree that it would be done for us and we call on your faithfulness. That was a Sunday. Tuesday, went to the ministry mailbox. This is ministry's brand new. Nobody knows we're doing this. And I had let several days go by so the mail would stack up. <laughs> I realized early on, you can't go every day. So I let several days go by, opened the mailbox, and it had stacked to two. <laughs> that first one opened it up, praise the Lord, $50, somebody was partnering with us, and we just, it's to this day, it astounds us, and we're overwhelmed by it. Open that second one up, you know what it was? $4,000. Somebody say, he's faithful. God is faithful. And we had prayed on Sunday, it came on Tuesday, I looked at the postmark, it was marked Friday. I was like, how does this work? Did, did this come because we agreed, because it was evidently already on its way? He said, you got to experience the whole thing. You got to experience hearing my voice, coming into agreement with your wife, calling on my faithfulness, only to find out I knew what you had need of before you ever asked. Somebody shout it out loud. He's faithful. 
Now, in this ministry that we're in today, we, man, we've been blessed. The Lord has brought people to us that have partnered with us, and we've seen, we've seen checks way smaller than that and checks way bigger than that. But to this day, I feed on that. I feed on that. Lord, at the onset of this thing, you proved yourself faithful. And I feed on it, and I feed on it, and I feed on it. What am I doing? Getting fat on the faithfulness of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Fully persuaded and judged him faithful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, faithfulness in its, in its most simplest form it's simply being there. It's just simply being there. Can a husband be faithful to his family if he's never there? No. Can, can, can a wife or a mom be faithful to her family or children if she's not there? No, faithfulness begins with being there. When I was on staff at the church here and Sarah and I were serving as youth ministers, you know, we'd, we'd have events and we'd have work days with young people and volunteers. And you know, I think back on it now, I can think of two or three different guys or girls. And every time I look up, they're there. Every time, no matter what we were doing, no matter what we were working on, no matter what we were building, no matter what we were washing, no matter where we were serving, those guys, there you are again. There they are again. What is that? That's faithful. They're there. They're just there. And those kinds of people are the ones that get called on. You can't get called on if you're not there, can you? Faithfulness just begins with being there. Well, if we're going to find that faithfulness in us, where are you going to have to find it first? Find it in Him. Do you remember what uh, the Scripture said about Joseph? When everybody else had abandoned him, when everybody else was unfaithful to him, it said the Lord was with him. He was with him. He was with him in that pit. He was with him in slavery. He was with him at Potiphar's house. And it got to the point where Potiphar looked at him and could see that the Lord was with him. That's faithfulness. Faithfulness. What did he say to Joshua? He said, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Why? God, you've got to give me some reason to not be afraid. You're telling me to lead these people? This is day one on the job. Moses is dead and gone. And now I've got to lead a million or two into this land. And I've got to fight these fights. And have you seen the size of these people? Give me some reason to not be afraid. For I am with you. Wherever you go, fear is swallowed up in the faithfulness of God. Fear of anything, fear of not having enough, fear about your future, uncertainty about who you are and where you're going. How about the big one? Fear of death itself, swallowed up in the faithfulness of God. Fear has met its match in the faithfulness of God. Why? Because God is love and God is faithful and His faithfulness is a demonstration of His love to us. He's with us. He is with us. Amen? What did Jesus say? 
on his way out of here, he turned to those guys and he said, you go, you make disciples, you lay hands on the sick, you cast out demons, and lo, what's lo mean? Look, I am with you everywhere you go, to the ends of the earth. What is that? That's the faithfulness of Jesus. I'm with you. I'm with you. There are those that say, I'm with you, and then there are those that are actually with you. Jesus is actually with you. Everywhere you go, that's his faithfulness. Somebody say, he's faithful. He's faithful. Now, before we wrap this up, I want you to take this home with you today. I, I believe in looking at this and studying this, there are three Probably more, but three things that I want to draw your attention to today that I believe faithfulness means. Number, number one, it means he does not change. He does not change. James chapter 1, you should be there in Hebrews. Just flip over to James chapter 1. Look at verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Listen to a few other translations. The NIV says, uh, in, in God, he does not change like shifting shadows. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, with him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. The International Standard says, in whom there is no inconsistency or shifting shadow. God's Word translation says, the Father does not change like the shifting shadows produced by the sun and the moon. Why are there shadows and why do they move? Why can I go outside my house in the morning and sit in my driveway in the perfect shade and play with my son, but later that afternoon I can't stand to be out there for a moment? Why? Because the light has moved and the shadows have moved. It's, it's an indicator that change has taken place. It's an indicator that there's movement happening. But God does not change. With him there is no variation. With him there is not even a shadow of turning, not even a hint of changing. With God there is no variation. Hebrews chapter 13, remember those who have the rule over you and remember the, 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 their lifestyle and the end of their conversation. Remember their faith. The very next verse says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is that part of God that never changes. And when God gave you Jesus, he said, this is the way I'm going to be forever. For all men, for all time, look at Jesus. That's how I am right now and forever. Jesus is the unchangeableness of God. Say it again. He is faithful. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our faithful high priest. He's our faithful high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest had two jobs. He represented God to man, and he represented man to God. Right? That's, that was the, the fullness of his job, to represent God to man and man to God. 
And the priest was born out of that tribe of Levi. And when Levi was born, his mother named him Levi because his name means attached. And she evidently had some insecurities with her husband, I guess because her husband didn't love her. <laughs> and she said, I gave him this son, now surely he will be attached to me. And that, that high priest came out of that tribe. Why? Because he's the one that's attached to both God and man. Can you see that? The scripture says that with God there is no variation. One translation says he's not fickle. He's not fickle. What is fickle? Fickle means you're, you're marked by erratic changes. And um, the, uh, literally the definition of it, listen to this, marked by erratic changeableness in affections or attachments. God is not fickle. Jesus, our high priest, is not fickle. He's not changing his attachments. Oh, come on, somebody. Can you see this today? Jesus right now is in the presence of God as our high priest. We know that he's the representation of God to man. We know that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. But right now, Jesus is in the presence of God as your high priest representing you to God. So when you pray... In Jesus' name, God's not looking at you. He's looking at Jesus. And your prayer is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is just as attached to God as he is to you and just as attached to you as he is to God. And he's not about to break it. Why? Because he's faithful. Because he's faithful. He's our faithful high priest. He does not change. What else does faithfulness say about him? He does not change. He will not quit. He does not change and he will not quit. Just listen to these verses. Psalm 119 verse 90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. He's not about to quit being faithful. Come on, we're just feeding on this today. We're just feeding on this today. He's not about to quit being faithful. He does not change. He will not quit. He cannot fail. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Now, if you didn't get anything but that, that's enough to make you happy today. Through the Lord's mercies, you are not, are not burned up. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not squished. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Great is the faithfulness of God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. You and I have, our lives must be lives that declare the faithfulness of God. Seven or eight years ago, I found myself a broken man. I was wounded and just beat. And dealing with condemnation because now, at that point, 
I'm divorced. And it hurt, man. And in the midst of that, I called out to God and I said, God, if you ever see fit to bring somebody into my life, I know it will be your mercy. Sometime after that, I saw a picture of this girl on my cousin's desk. It was my cousin and this other girl. And I said, who's that? Not my cousin, the other girl. <laughs> we in the South, but not that South. I said, who is that? And it, my cousin said, well, that's my friend Sarah. And I said, I need to know her. And months went by, I never met her, never knew her or anything, but I just kept coming back to look at that picture. And the Lord started talking to me about the girl in the picture who I never met. And I was in prayer one day and, and the Lord witnessed to my heart, that's the girl you're gonna marry. I never met this girl, but I met her. March 6th, 2007. I still can't talk about this. When I met her, I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to meet my mercy. He's faithful. Can I tell you, I still feed on that. Every day for the last, what, what anniversary we just celebrated? <laughs> Six years this month. Feed on the faithfulness of God. She's the mercy of God on my life. She's the faithfulness of God towards me. And I can, I can feed on that. And every moment since then, I mean, he has, he gave me a friend. He gave me a partner in ministry. He gave me somebody to raise kids. I mean, we got a, a little boy now growing up in our home. What a gift of the faithfulness of God. And now, as of a few weeks ago, we got a little girl growing up in our home. The faithfulness and the kindness and the goodness of God. And besides all that, our seven-week-old is sleeping eight hours a night. Somebody help me. The faithfulness of God. He's faithful. He's faithful. And I hope you don't mind, but somebody didn't have enough sense to keep the microphone out of my hands today. So I just used it as an opportunity to declare the faithfulness of God to me. But listen, listen, listen. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to wait till somebody calls you up on a platform. Go get in your car and start declaring the faithfulness of God. And you watch what happens. What's happening in you right now? Faith is rising in you right now. It's coming up on the inside of you right now. And fear is leaving you and doubt is leaving you. Why? Because of something you've done? No, because of everything he's done. Because you came in and for 45 minutes did nothing but feed on the faithfulness of God. Oh, over and over and over and you will walk out of here stronger you are you will walk out of here with confidence and knowing my God loves me his loving kindness endures forever his mercy endures forever his faithfulness endures forever I cannot fail because he cannot fail I will not quit because he does not quit and when I find his word I will not change from his word to me I am unchangeable with his unchangeableness I don't even know if any of those are words. But you know what I'm saying. You hear it, don't you? He's faithful. He's faithful. Great is His faithfulness.
when you hear the word preached, every time you hear the word, there's an opportunity for you to respond to it. I think we've gotten so used to taking our notes and here's our one, two, three and our ABC and now here's what I heard and here's how I apply it. Here's the challenging thing about something like what I preach today. How do you apply his faithfulness? Watch this. You worship. You worship him for it. That's the only reasonable response to his faithfulness is you worship him for it. And as you feed on his faithfulness, you watch your faithfulness come up. You want to find it in you? Find it in him. That same principle is true. We cannot demand and require of each other that we walk in love without a revelation of how much we've been loved. Sister, what if, what if your sister sitting next to you had a need of $1,000? Reach in your pocket. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it thrill your heart to reach in your pocket? Why aren't you doing it? I ain't got $1,000 in my pocket. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give love until you know how much you are loved. And you'll never find the strength to be faithful if you're looking to yourself as your own source for faithfulness. But when you see how faithful he's been to you, it will become the grace response. Grace abounding to you and grace abounding through you. Say it again. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful.